Abandoned old stations of the Pony Express Overgrown trails through the wild west Mustangs are grazing along suburban streams You'll find them all in the Veta magazine All right, listeners, you know what that theme song means. It's the always thrilling Nevada Magazine, the talk show hosted by the staff of Nevada Magazine, broadcasting live from the Reno Town Mall. My name is Eric Cacinero, associate editor of Nevada Magazine and host of today's edition of Nevada Magazine, the talk show. Listeners, please feel free to come down to the studio right now, get behind a, a microphone with the staff of Nevada Magazine, or grab your complimentary copy of Nevada Magazine Each issue is packed full of material on the Silver State, from educational and informative history stories to event and show information to a collection of some of the most aesthetically pleasing photography from across the state. So before we get started, I just want to let listeners know that our January-February 2014 issue is on newsstands now. It has some great information in it, including part three of our sesquicentennial special edition series, a look back at the fascinating areas um, of Laughlin and El Dorado Canyon and a feature on black history in Nevada. If you haven't picked up your copy yet, we still have um, our 2014 Nevada historical calendar and our historic Nevada book for sale now, both which feature some amazing historic photos taken in Nevada. As always, both make great gifts for Nevada lovers and history buffs and can be ordered on our website at nevadamagazine.com or by calling our circulation manager, Carrie, at 775 675- Six eight seven zero six one zero. So as always, we have a great show for you today because we're going to start off by talking about an out-of-this-world exhibit in Southern Nevada called Area 51, Myth or Reality, which is now on display at the National Atomic Testing Museum in Las Vegas. So our first guest today is Alan Palmer. Alan is the CEO of the Atomic Testing Museum, and he's here to tell our listeners about uh, some of the exciting exhibits happening at the museum. Welcome, Alan. And Eric, good morning. It's delightful to be with you this morning and your listeners. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, So we like to start out the the show by personalizing it. Um, Can you please tell the audience your Nevada story, when you came to the Silver State, how long you've lived here, and anything else you'd like to include about living in Nevada? Gosh, okay. Well, listen, I'm a relative newcomer. I've only been here for a little over three years uh, as the director of this museum. Uh, but I spent some time uh, here at Nellis Air Force Base back in the 70s uh, uh, going through fighter weapons school on my way to Vietnam years ago. So I had the pleasure of working out here in Las Vegas and actually flying in the areas around Area 51 and the Nevada test site uh, at the time, practicing dropping bombs in the desert. Thank you, Alan. Um, so what's some of the history behind the museum, including kind of where the idea came from and when it was built? Well, the museum itself has been in business for eight years now, the foundation that runs it uh, a little bit longer than that. And it was started primarily by the workers, engineers, scientists, uh, tradespeople who did the work building the Nevada test site, uh, which is where we tested all of our nuclear weapons uh, start one uh, right on through uh, 1992. Uh, the people who did that work thought this was an important enough story to build a museum to tell it. And, uh, and I have to tell you that after eight years in business, uh, we now are a national museum. 
the U.S. Congress thought that was an important enough story as well to designate this museum as a national museum. So it now is a place where the country keeps all of its history about that period of time testing weapons in the Cold War. Uh, and we're very proud of that fact. There's only 37 national museums in the country. Most of those are Smithsonian's. We're now one. Wow. Very, very cool. Um, so for listeners who haven't heard of the Atomic Testing Museum, can you please give them an idea of where it's located and how to get there? Sure. The, the National Atomic Testing Museum in Las Vegas is on Flamingo Road, uh, and it's uh, near the airport, uh, just a hop, skip, and a jump from the airport uh, between Swenson and Flamingo. So we're just a little over a mile from the heart of the Strip. And um, if someone wanted to get more information, is there a phone number or a website they could visit? Sure. Our website's easy. It's uh, nationalatomictestingmuseum.org. And our phone number here is uh, area code 702-794-5151. Thank you, Alan. Um, And on the web, if people go there, there, there's a section where people can find out about the hours and admission prices and all that. And, of course, if they're residents of the Silver State, they get a big break on admission coming to the museum. <laughs> All right. Um, so I understand the museum has a collection of, of permanent exhibits. Um, can you please tell the audience kind of in detail about each of those permanent exhibits and uh, what they can expect to see in each one? Well, sure. The, the permanent exhibits kind of chronicle the story of the development of the test site from the time that President Harry Truman made it uh, in ni- late 1950. Uh, until they stopped testing weapons out there in 1992 underground. But that story still continues. There's still work out there that's very important. It's done by Homeland Security, Department of Defense, uh, and Department of Energy, and uh, any number of other uh, three-letter federal organizations who have kind of classified work that's being done out there. There are things that are largely done behind the scenes, undercover, in black programs, but are, are really key and important in keeping our country safe still today. Thank you, Alan. Um, and so I understand some of those exhibits, there's, there's like the development of the bomb, um, underground testing, atmospheric testing. Those all sound really interesting. You bet. And we kind of go through in, in sort of a timeline fashion uh, and, and talk about those periods of development, with, particularly with the above-ground and underground testing big difference in, in how we did it, why we did it, and what the results were. Uh, and I think the key for people to understand is that was right in the heart of the Cold War. We were in the middle of a huge arms race with the Soviet Union. And everything that we did helped us understand effects, what would happen if we ever got into a nuclear war, heaven help us, but also how to build smaller, more effective more efficient weapons uh, so that we could counter any kind of a threat that the Soviets had. The the end goal there was not to have a nuclear confrontation so we could understand better how that worked, how it would affect people. And I think in the process, we probably scared the heck out of people enough where they didn't want to do it. And so for the last roughly 70 years, we've not had that problem. So one of the great ways for visitors to explore the museum, um, I understand you guys have an MP3 audio guide that they can download before they visit. Can you talk, we do, talk about uh, that? We do, and they can, they can come and do that. That helps guide them through. But we also have 
a cadre of some really experienced docents here. And, and these are men and women who have worked at the test site, and so they have hands-on experience with how they actually arranged and made the weapons, how they set them off, uh, how they triggered them, and uh, what happened sometimes as a result of it. So pretty fascinating stuff, and you get it firsthand from somebody who's been there. So I understand the museum has a lot of authentic artifacts as well. Um, can you explain some of those? Sure. Uh, we've, we've got things that range from uh, Geiger counters, original dosimeter badges that people used and wore every day to measure whatever exposure to radiation they may have. But then we've got some uh, original weapon shapes. These are nuclear weapons that were carried on aircraft uh, that are uh, just like the ones that they actually carried. And those are sitting right on the floor in the museum. So out of all those um, artifacts, what's your favorite one? What one do you think is most important um, both to, to kind of the history of this stuff and just to the museum? Well, I think the one that's probably key is kind of in the middle of the history. Uh, the B-51 nuclear bomb uh, is one that uh, was developed uh, both as a strategic and tactical weapon. It was, it was versatile in its yield. It could be made smaller or bigger in terms of weapons effects. Uh, and it's one that's still in use in the inventory today. It's been around since probably the late 60s. Um, and it's been used in a variety of ways, everything from a conventional nuclear weapon to an underground bunker buster kind of a bomb. And it's again, it's one that's being used still today. Uh, and importantly, People forget that it's not just something you make and then keep in your garage and then bring it out and use it years later. You have to still maintain it along the way. So that process of making sure the nuclear material and the weapon will work is an ongoing process. Much of what's done here at the test site still today. Thank you, Alan. Um, so we're going to cut to a break here in about a minute and a half. But before we do, I just want to ask one more question. Why do you think this museum is so important um, to, to tell the public about this information? Well, I think the museum is important just as the subject matter is important. It, it turns out that the Cold War and the, the weapons race, this intense arms race with the Soviet Union, was probably one of the key pivotal stories of the 20th century and actually modern America. Most everything that's happened in our history now goes back to that period. Uh, it was the standoff with the Soviet Union almost brought the world to a nuclear confrontation. And that's something that when people come here, I hope they'll take away is the lessons and the history of how that happened and maybe how we can prevent it in the future. That's what I think people can find by coming to this museum. Thanks, Alan. So uh, before we cut to break real quick, can we get that contact information one more time, please, uh, the website and the phone number? Sure. It's, uh, it's the National Atomic Testing Museum dot org, and the phone number seven zero two seven nine four five one five one. And right. they can also, by the way, uh, we may we get to this on our next session. They can also listen to us on the radio on uh, KXNT here in Las Vegas, and that's also streamed off of their website. All right. Thank you, Alan. Well, we're going to cut to a break right now, um, but when we get back, we're going to get into one of the exciting new exhibits at the National Atomic Testing Museum in Las Vegas. I can't 
can sign furniture. It's the easy way to sell, smart way to buy. Sales at Consigned Furniture have been great, but we're always striving to find better ways to serve you. Our second truck has made it fast and convenient to pick up the items you want to sell or deliver the items you've purchased. At Consigned Furniture, it's safe and simple. We do all the heavy lifting, pricing, and selling for you. All you need to do is sit back and relax. It's easy. Either come by our showroom located on Market Street in Reno, call us at 824-0222, or visit us at consignedfurniturenow.com. Let Consigned Furniture take the guesswork out of buying or selling your furniture or household items. Consigned Furniture, the largest consignment store in Northern Nevada. And remember, pickup is always free. Consign furniture, it's the easy way to sell, smart way to buy. Your family's concerns are of the utmost importance to you. After all, what's more important than the well-being of those you love? It's the same when it comes to your home mortgage or refinancing needs. Having the proper mortgage in place is one of the most important steps your family can take. Why trust those crucial decisions to chance? The time to choose the right mortgage consultant is before you need one. As one of Reno's leading mortgage consultants, helping families like yours isn't just their job, it's their commitment. Your home is one of the most important investments you'll ever make. The last thing you need is a loan that will just do. You need a loan that will work for you today as well as protect you tomorrow. Friendly and experienced loan officers Carrie Johnson and Royal Kukoff are standing by to take your calls. Movement Mortgage is conveniently located at 985 Demonte Ranch Parkway, number 130 in South Reno, 775-562-1026. Tell them you heard this ad and receive a free credit report. 775-562-1026. License number 3401. Come check out one of the Truckee Meadows' best-kept secrets, the Reno Town Mall. Located across the street from the Atlantis Casino Resort, the Reno Town Mall is just steps from the Reno Sparks Convention Center and is home to a variety of merchants, including a full-service grocery store, food source. Other tenants at the Reno Town Mall include the Washoe County Library, Burlington Coat Factory, Arcel's Bridal, a proper fit footwear, and access to healthcare network. This unique urban mall will fit in perfectly with your busy lifestyle. Stop at the Aroma Club Cafe for your morning coffee or perhaps a quick business lunch at Round Table Pizza. The Reno Town Mall is also home to the Reno Sparks Convention and Visitors Authority, Northern Nevada Job Connect, the Great Works of China Import Store, and America Matters Media. Come join the audience as we record live radio shows. Stop by the Reno Town Mall today for the best Reno has to offer. Tunnels once dug out by candlelight Robber and wranglers and gamblers at night old iron horses bursting with steam jump from the pages of Nevada magazine all right listeners you're back with the Nevada magazine talk show hosted at uh, the them all. Sorry, excuse me. I'm drawing, drawing a blank here. All right, we're gonna hop right back into the show. Um, but before we're gonna talk about a new exhibit um, at uh, the National Atomic Testing Museum in Las Vegas. Um, but before we do, Alan, you had mentioned that uh, that people can can access by radio. Can you explain that one more time? Well, yes, uh, we've got a uh, radio show uh, on Saturday nights uh, here in Las Vegas on KXNT. 
which is a CBS uh, affiliate here, 100.5 FM. Uh, you can't hear it in Reno uh, directly, but you can catch it on live streaming off of the KXNT website. And the title of the show is Myth or Reality, and it's kind of key to our Area 51 exhibit. And we talk about Area 51, UFOs, uh, mysterious things in the sky. Uh, so it's become kind of interesting. It's sort of the George Norrie light show that we do out of Las Vegas. So let's talk a bit about um, the Area 51 Myth Reality exhibit. Um, I understand it's organized in coordination with former CIA officers, mili- military aviators, and Area 51 workers. Is that correct? Well, yes. Uh, they are participants in, in the exhibit. We actually have them uh, on, on video uh, telling their stories from their first-hand perspective, working out at Area 51. So, um, for our listeners, can you please kind of take us through the exhibit and um, let us know some of the things that uh, that we can expect to see? Well, this certainly, Eric. And, and the real challenge of doing this exhibit, because we tried to do it about four years ago, uh, and we couldn't because it was still classified and you really couldn't say anything about it to the public without violating a lot of rules that get you in real trouble. Uh, but subsequent to that, about three years ago, the CIA and the Air Force, through Department of Defense, actually declassified most of the information about Area 51 from the early days. So then we figured, well, we could actually put on this exhibit without landing in jail somewhere. So we set about to tell the story about Area 51. There's a lot of fascinating facts that now have come out about it. But along with it, uh, there was this other parallel story about aliens and UFOs and underground tunnels and big air bases that were hidden in the desert that kind of went with Area 51. So we decided rather than put this into cases and just have people wander by and look at it, we'd make it more of an interactive experience and people could see both sides of that question what was really happening at Area 51, and what about all this mysterious stuff that was rumored to be happening out there. So we talk about both in this exhibit. And at the end, people kind of have to figure out what they believe. So um, as, as you kind of touched on, uh, the, the exhibit is, is very educational, very exciting. Um, another thing I, I believe was that people have a chance to learn about the nation's um, MIG programs and U-2 spy plane programs. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, and, and that's actually why Area 51 was developed, was to develop the spy planes that could go see what the Soviet Union was doing uh, at a time before satellites. We didn't have the ability to, to kind of look over their fence into their backyard and see what they were up to testing nuclear weapons. So Area 51 and the work that was done out there was done exactly for that reason, to develop a plane that could go high enough and mostly be undetected, fly over the Soviet Union and find out what they were doing. So uh, through Lockheed uh, Aircraft Skunk Works, uh, uh, an engineer by the name of Kelly Johnson developed uh, the early version of the U-2, but he needed a place to test it. So he sent his chief test pilot, Tony LeVere, out in the desert uh, out here to be a really good place to, to be able to establish an airfield uh, and also be able to fly where there weren't a whole lot of people around that could see what was going on. 
he found the area that's now called Groom Lake, and they set up the first base there for Area 51 uh, in 1955. Uh, and so in a period of about two months, they went from finding the place and deciding what to do with it to building a full airfield there. Uh, the runways, hangars, uh, control tower, place to operate out of. Kelly Johnson built that for about $800,000, which is probably about the best deal the U.S. government's ever got. And then they began flying the U-2 out there, which was the first of uh, several aircraft that were developed out there to spy on the Soviets. Thank you, Alan. Um, so is this exhibit good for kids? Is there kids' activities there as well? Sure. There's there's things kids can do. They, there's some simulated alien skin that if you were an alien, this is what you'd feel like. Uh, there's uh, diagrams of what the, the universe looks like and the space and time that it would take if you were going to travel across it, what it would take to do that. Uh, and a little bit about uh, aliens and UFOs that I don't want to give too much away because it's kind of a journey of discovery. Actually, when you first walk in, uh, the first thing that happens is, you know, you get accosted by uh, a guard who's going to make sure you know what the rules are for getting into Area 51. And then you go through like a new recruit, and you've got to sort of sort out what that story is, whether there's aliens or not, and what technology or not is being developed out there. It's kind of an interesting journey. Thanks, Alan. So, in your opinion, what's the most exciting thing about uh, about this exhibit, or the or the most educational, or the most interesting? Well, certainly, you know, UFOs and space travel is kind of an interesting concept. But I tell people this when they go through that exhibit: what you'll see here that's that's actually real and factual, and has occurred historically out there. The kind of work that was done by some really dedicated people. That story is about as fascinating and as intriguing and as mystical as anything you could make up. So the real true story of Area 51 is full of all kinds of surprises and, and, and real accomplishment that I think particularly young people would be fascinated with. So can we get that contact information one more time uh, in case any of our listeners want to get in touch with the museum? Sure. Uh, the uh, And if they're want to communicate with us by email, they can do it at info at ntshf.org. That's November Tango Sierra Hotel Foxtrot.org for those people that like phonetic alphabets. And the phone number is 702-794-5151. And they can find us on the web at National Atomic Testing Museum.org. Thank you, Alan. Um, so is there anything I missed about Area 51 exhibit that uh, maybe you'd like to share with the audience? Anything else? Well, there's a couple of things that relate to it. Uh, we've got a, a tremendous uh, museum store, and they've got kind of some really neat merchandise there that's very unusual that relate to Area 51. So if you're a, a UFO and Area 51 buff, you're going to find some fascinating things there. Uh, and, and again, the subject matter of Area 51 relates back to the core part of the museum. You know, the government back in the 50s and 60s when they set up the testing of the weapons uh, in order to win the Cold War, they pumped billions and billions of dollars into Las Vegas. And that's really what made Las Vegas pretty much what it is today. Without
got that influx of money and people who had education and experience from other parts of the country, Las Vegas certainly wouldn't have the character, probably, or even the prosperity that it has today. Thanks, Alan. Um, so we touched a bit on on uh, on children being able to to enjoy these events at the museum. I understand you guys have at the museum um, a couple other events geared towards children, including family fun days. Um, you guys also do, I believe, a Nevada Day celebration. Yes, we do. And in, in fact, uh, we do uh, not only family fun days where we key that to. Uh, something, for instance, we had one uh, this last year on Mars and Mars rovers, and uh, children could come in and play with uh, Mars dirt uh, and get a little bit of red dirt on themselves and play with Mars rovers. Uh, Planetary uh, alignments, uh, a lot of science and STEM education goes on here. Uh, We try to get uh, young people fascinated with engineering, physics, and science. Uh, it's a great place to do it. Um, and then we also have, uh, every year, uh, we're participating in the Science Bowl here as well. So we have uh, young teams of people in developing robotics uh, from time to time with the university. So it's it's just kind of an overall great place for people to come who are interested in science and technology. All right, Alan, let's get that contact information just one more time really quick, please. Sure. Uh, the number here, 702 702- Seven nine four five one five one, and the website is nationalatomictestingmuseum.org. And uh, they'll find on that website uh, links to the museum uh, for admissions, uh, what we do for programs, membership. People can actually sign up and be a member online that way, too. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Alan, and sharing with our listeners all of the awesome information about the National Atomic Testing Museum. And to our listeners, you can read about the Area 51 Myth Reality Exhibit in the January-February issue of Nevada Magazine. As always, I encourage everyone listening to subscribe to the magazine. We're continuously publishing great stories that give people a look at some really unique aspects of the Silver State. We also have our 2014 Nevada Historical Calendar and Historic Nevada Book available for sale. Um, which features some amazing historic photos taken in Nevada. Both make great gifts for Nevada lovers and history buffs and can be ordered on our website at nevadamagazine.com or by calling our circulation manager, Carrie, at 775-687-0610. That wraps up this half hour of the Nevada Magazine Talk Show. For those of you listening on 99.1 Fox News Radio, we'll see you next week. For those of you listening on other stations in this great nation of ours, we'll be right back after these messages. We're on a mission from God. Renegade Radio. It's a giving season, so why not treat yourself to a rejuvenating experience at the Age of Stone, Reno's most comprehensive medical spa and salon. Take advantage of our many doctor-supervised services, including health screening, weight management, Botox, Juvederm, Belotero, Xeomine, chemical pills, laser hair, and tattoo removal, and bioidentical hormone replacement. Why not enjoy a massage or an infrared sauna, body treatment, permanent makeup, or our Vichy shower therapy? Experience our full-service hair and nail salon staffed by our 17 trained stylists and nail techs. Stay healthy with a drink from Organic Juice Bar, Raw Power. Looking for a great gift? Consider our professional beauty products or a gift certificate. The Ageless Zone Salon and Spa is conveniently located at 5060 Meadowood Mall Circle. Check us out at agelesszonereno.com or our Facebook page. Then call us at 775-826-8888. That's 826-8888. Let the Ageless Zone 
help you be healthy and looking your best this holiday season. Think local and support our local economy. Shop smart and get the best local daily deal at BumbleDeal.com. BumbleDeal.com is locally owned, serving Reno and Sparks with awesome deals from local merchants. That's why we're buzzing. Why is BumbleDeal.com your best bet for super savings and fun? You get 50 to 90% off in local shops and earn free honey money when you refer a friend. But wait, there's more. It's the only deal that gets better every day till it goes away, but don't wait too long or it's gone. Okay, get deals like this. 86% off child care, 86% off vocal lessons, 82% off eyelash extensions, 80% off a luscious mineral bath, up to 90% off dining. That's why we're buzzing. There's no better way to enjoy life, save money, and support our local economy. The buzz is on the locally owned Daily Deal, where you get 50 to 90% off in local shops and support two local businesses with every awesome deal. Only at BumbleDeal.com. Log on and join today. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and for most of us, it's also our favorite. That's why you need to experience Creme Cafe, Catering, and Bakery. Creme specializes in crepes of all kinds, from savory to sweet, and serves them up hot with a side of fresh fruit or salad. Add a crispy plate of bacon, tasty tricolor potatoes, or a homemade English muffin, and top off your meal with some Nevada black coffee from Reno's own Blind Dog Roasters. Your choices also include a sweet array of desserts baked fresh on-site, including muffins, bars, cookies, and cakes. Creme Cafe also offers full-service service catering with customized menus way beyond the breakfast realm. Owners Beth Carter and Christian Christensen create deliciously memorable meals that make guests rave and have clients calling again and again. Beth and Christian source as many high-quality local ingredients as possible and treat every guest like a treasured friend. Creme is located at 25 St. Lawrence Street, just off of Virginia behind Ace's Tattoo in the heart of Reno's Midtown District. Call 775-348-0571 or visit CremeCafeReno.com. Give Creme a try. You'll be Glad you did. Neon caverns and canyons of light. Jugglers, singers, and dancers in flight. Cowpokes turn poets from all they've seen. Tell their own story in that magazine. All right, listeners, you're tuned in to the second half hour of Nevada Magazine, the talk show hosted by the staff of Nevada Magazine, broadcasting live from the Reno Town Mall. My name is Eric Cacinero, Associate Editor of Nevada Magazine, and I'll be your host today for the second half of today's show. Again, listeners, please feel free to come down to the studio, get behind a microphone with the staff of Nevada Magazine, or grab your free copy of the January-February issue of Nevada Magazine, for some awesome and informative stories about some unique aspects of the Silver State. So we've got a very exciting second half of the show today because we're talking about a great news exhibit at the Nevada State Museum in Carson City uh, called Finding Fremont, Pathfinder to the West. The exhibit has been generating lots of buzz throughout the community and has sparked interest in both history buffs and casual museum visitors. So here in the studio today to give our listeners some information on the exhibit is... Um, the curator of anthropology, Gene Hattori. Welcome, Gene. Thanks, Eric. So um, we like to start out the, the Nevada Magazine talk show by personalizing the show. Um, can you please tell the audience your Nevada story, when you came to the Silver State, how long you've lived here, and anything else you'd like to include about living in Nevada? All right. Um, uh, I was born born in Nevada, in Yarrington, but uh, lived in Fallon and uh, pretty much grew up in uh, Sparks. 
and uh, went through K through 12 in Sparks, UNR, and then went away for graduate school for a few years, and then Army for a little bit. And um, um, that's pretty much it, uh, other than a little stint in the Bay Area, but I consider myself a Nevada and always have. All right. And I actually share a very similar um, uprising. I lived in Sparks and, and went K through 12 there oh. as well. So. Um, so let's jump right into it um, and get to know the man who all the hype is about. Who is John C. Fremont and what is his story? Yeah, for, for us, uh, uh, John C. Fremont is known as an explorer and he traveled through Nevada uh, and famously or infamously lost his cannon in uh, California in the Bridgeport area down the West Walker River Canyon. But um, in researching and putting together our, um, our John C. Fremont uh, exhibit, we found uh, much, much more information on John C. Fremont. And at uh, one time, oh, uh, mid-19th to uh, uh, the latter part of the 19th century, he was uh, arguably one of, the, one of the best known people in the United States. Not necessarily the most popular, but uh, one of the best-known persons in the United States and uh, internationally. So you had, you had mentioned you um, came across some new information uh, in creating this exhibit. What, what are some of the things you guys came across? Well, John C. Fremont was, uh, a, and this was something that that's, was very surprising and is very surprising to many people, he was the first Republican Party candidate for president. Oh, wow in 1856 and a lot of that actually drew upon his fame as uh, an explorer um, I guess uh, his explorations actually uh, uh, prior to that time included the pioneer route known as the immigrant tra uh, the Oregon Trail but he also explored routes through the state of Nevada uh, the Calif what became known as the California Trail thank you Gene um, so, what are some of the important impacts that Fremont has had on Nevada? And uh, I guess kind of a second part of that question would be, do any of these impacts still affect us today? Yeah, um, I guess the most important thing was the uh, trails. Um, the uh, timing of his expedition, um, and actually his, his uh, most significant map, along with his cartographer, Charles Preuss, um, coincided with the California Gold Rush. In fact, the, uh, uh, we call it the Preuss-Fremont-Oregon-California uh, uh, map, uh, was the very first map that depicted the California gold fields, or El Dorado, wow. in California. And um, his journal and his two maps from his exploration and then the 1848 map uh, guided pioneers actually through the state of Nevada, to California and Oregon uh, during the gold rush period from 1848 into the 1850s and beyond. And uh, it probably saved some lives uh, following his map as well as uh, uh, his journal, which pointed out uh, crossings, elevations of passes, and uh, feed for the animals. So how did uh, the idea for this exhibit um, come about, and why did the Nevada State Museum feel this exhibit was so significant? The, the exhibit actually began in Bend, Oregon, with the Deschutes 
Historical Museum in Bend, Oregon. Okay. And um, they held a uh, Fremont Symposium in 2012, I believe, uh, or 2010, actually. And um, uh, it was an overwhelming success. And they had uh, oh, a former lieutenant governor and, and many, many Fremont experts attend the uh, exhibition. And it was believed it was so popular that after the exhibition, they, they, they constructed a small exhibit on Fremont. And one of the things that um, uh, the director, Kelly Cannon, uh, her father is a longtime friend of mine from uh, Archaeological Field School in Warner Valley, Oregon. And uh, he... Um, um, came down and told us about the exhibit, uh, the small exhibit, and floated the idea of a larger exhibit. And in fact, for their small exhibit, they borrowed our cannon barrel, and we'll get into this later. But it's a um, a brass, a bronze cannon barrel, 12-pound mountain howitzer, the type that Fremont took with him on his 1843-1844 uh, uh, expedition, and they brought it up there for display, and. Uh, Bill Cannon and his daughter Kelly arranged with one of their volunteers who is a reenactor who has his own mountain howitzer uh, to um, actually uh, more or less donate his mountain howitzer for our barrel. And that barrel is now property of, uh, uh, of the Cannon barrel. The uh, Cannon carriage is uh, uh, property of the of the state of Nevada now. So we have a complete mountain howitzer. All right. Very cool. And then from there... Uh, we got together and with the help from the BLM and the U.S. Forest Service, put together a much, much larger uh, uh, exhibit that will that opened here last Wednesday and w is our sesquicentennial, one of our sesquicentennial exhibits featuring Fremont. So um, let's get into the to the canon kind of. Can you tell um, the story behind this famous Fremont canon and, uh, and get a bit of the role that it plays in the exhibit? Yeah. Uh, John C. Fremont uh, uh, actually had another expedition before this one that was charged with uh, exploring the or what became known as the Oregon Trail. And the first part of the expedition, 1842, made it to the Rocky Mountains. The second part of the expedition was going to go to the Dalles, was meant to go to the Dalles in Oregon on the Columbia River. And then um, um, that was the complete route of... Uh, uh, the Oregon Trail. A uh, little bit of it was uh, surveyed previously from the Pacific Coast. But uh, Fremont, on his second expedition, for whatever reason, he had been part of the way on his first, but on the second expedition, he requisitioned a 12-pound uh, mountain howitzer at the very last minute. And uh, when his boss, uh, Colonel Abert, found out about it, he recalled the mission immediately because this was completely unauthorized for a a peaceable is what he called it mapping mission uh, but Fremont had left oh. and uh, uh, once Fremont got to the Dalles with his cannon um, rather than turning around and going back uh, to St. St. Louis Westport on the Missouri River but uh, going back to St. Louis he went due south with his cannon and this is actually where he um, earned the uh, nickname Pathfinder in my mind uh, because he, Kit Carson, and uh, Broken Hand Fitzpatrick, and the uh, latter two were his guides, um, they blazed uh, some new trails uh, down south through Oregon and into Alta California, which at the time was uh, Mexico, and uh, became Nevada. And um, 
They uh, uh, mapped and uh, described the area, collected plants, uh, including the pinyon pine, and um, uh, described the uh, cut Lahontan cutthroat trout, and then went to um, uh, the West Walker River Canyon. It was getting to be winter time. Uh, they knew their they were their food supplies were were nil, and they had to get to Sutter's Fort or or spend the winter on the east side of the Sierra, and um, uh, that uh, pretty much uh, resulted in losing the cannon. Thank you, Gene. Um, so really quick, in about a minute before we cut to uh, to break, can you kind of give um, the listeners an idea of what they can expect to see in the exhibit? Yeah, we have. Um, uh, the key items are uh, the Fremont Sword, 1847 presentation sword from the citizens of Charleston, South Carolina. We have archaeological uh, cannon carriage pieces that were found in the West Walker River Canyon that almost undoubtedly are from Fremont's cannon. We have our cannon barrel mounted on its new carriage that is arguably um, Fremont's cannon, one of 13 that was made for that particular period of time. So a very, very good chance that it is Fremont's cannon. Uh, the provenance or the history of it is uh, 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 questionable, and it remains a very good candidate. All right. Thank you very much, Gene. Well, this sounds just really exciting. Um, when we come back from the break, we're going to get uh, right back into um, to this awesome exhibit. Um, so right now we're going to cut to a commercial break, but when we return, we'll be speaking with our next guest about some recent happenings uh, in Carson City at the Nevada State Museum and some uh, great upcoming events and other interesting activities. Stay tuned. The new music revolution at 101.3 Renegade Radio. Now playing in radios everywhere. Hi, this is Eddie Floyd of AM News. Let me tell you about a friend of mine. His name is Al Giordano. And let me tell you, he spent the majority of his adult life and studied missions in the great state of California. Father Sarah was the one who founded the first nine of the 21 original missions in the state of California. He's got a book out. It's all about these missions. It is one of the most beautiful coffee table books for only $29.75 I've ever seen in my entire life. If you'd like to check it out, then you can get a hold of Al Giordano by simply sending Al an email at Genoa, that's G-E-N-O-A, Al, all one word, Genoa Al, at yahoo.com, and tell him to send you some beautiful pictures and information about his book. You can also write to Best Publishers, that's P.O. Box 3673, Carmel, California, 939. Two, one. Get a hold of Al. Take a look at this beautiful book all about Padre Serra. Preparing fine quality food used to be the secret of trained chefs. But now, with the masher, you can make perfect mashed potatoes, squash, guacamole, healthy baby food, cake and brownie mixes, pastries, whipping cream, pancakes and waffle batter, and a lot more. Typical mixers too often overprocess your ingredients and can easily turn your dish into mush. What makes the masher so completely unique and different is its patented rotor cone technology. The masher's low-speed, non-stick rotor pulls the ingredients up through the mesh evenly and consistently mixing your recipe to perfection. Normally $49.95, buy it now at nextgenstore.com for only $39.95 with free shipping and handling. Call us at 888-985-9929 
or go to nextgenstore.com. Have you heard about the freshest new restaurant in Reno? It's Mary Chewy's Mexican Kitchen in the Sticks Complex at 764 South Virginia, right in the heart of Midtown. You might remember husband and wife team Mary and Chewy from Freshmax. They've been restaurant owners for over 10 years and in the restaurant business all their lives. This beautiful new bistro is classy and comfortable, and the whole staff makes you feel like family. Mary Chewy's has a full bar, including top-shelf tequilas and cocktails made with all fresh fruits and mixers. The kitchen creations are deliciously modernized versions of traditional recipes handed down from Chewy's grandmother. The menu is full of tasty temptations from ceviche, soups and salads to fajitas, mocajetes and rellenos. Then there's the carnitas and so much more. Do you need to host a large group or party? Why not have it custom catered by Chewy, in-house or at your location? Open from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Go to Chewy'sMexicanKitchen.com or call 775-322-6866. If you've been to Mary Chewy's, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you should really go soon. Except for casinos, little has changed. A weathered log cabin still home on the range. The best of the Wild West, bold and serene. I'll come to life in the Veta magazine. All right, listeners, we're back with the final segment of today's Nevada Magazine, The Talk Show. Uh, we're in the studio today with the Nevada State Museum Curator of Anthropology, Gene Hattori, who has been giving us some really cool information about John C. Fremont. Um, but now I want to switch to our next guest who is on the phone, um, Deborah Stevenson, who is the Curator of Education for the Nevada State Museum. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you so much, Eric. So let's jump right into it. Um, I understand the museum... Um, celebrated the John C. Fremont Pathfinder of the West opening reception this past Wednesday. Um, can you please share how that event went with our audience? That was absolutely the most phenomenal exhibit opening I think we've ever had. We had 446 people here. We had beautiful music from the Carson City Symphony Silver Strings Quartet. We had children from Fremont Elementary School singing Home Means Nevada and home on the range, and the governor was right there with us singing along. It was it was just phenomenal. I heard nothing but praise for the exhibit and the hard work that Jean Hattori, the curators in the exhibits department, has done. We're just so proud to have this exhibit celebrating our sesquicentennial year. Wow, that's great. Thank you, Deborah. Um, so, I understand there is a Fremont Symposium um, coming up on July 25th, I believe, which includes dinner at the governor's mansion, is that right? Yes, we've actually got a whole year of programming that will complement our Fremont exhibit. Some of it's programming for children, some for adults. The symposium is very specifically targeting an audience of Fremont. It's a recovery team who helped discover those archaeological parts. And what we'll have is two full days of lectures. We're bringing in some of the top Fremont scholars from the world, People like Colonel Rosewich, who knows everything about the mountain howitzer cannons, um, renowned authors who have written books on Fremont um, expeditions from the first through the fifth expedition. And uh, we're also going to have a lot of fun, as you said. We're going to have dinner at the governor's mansion. We'll have a cowboy poetry and Chautauqua presentation for entertainment. And uh, the first day, we may even go out to Mills Park and have a little Dutch oven uh, cookout out there to sort of see what it feels like to be a, a mountain man in the rendezvous years. Thank you, Deborah. Um, so those events sound sound pretty awesome. Um, 
so let's kind of get back into those and touch a little bit more on each one. Um, I understand sure. the, the, the Francis Humphrey lecture series, which is a great series. I've actually attended a couple of myself at the Nevada State Museum. Um, there's the one titled John C. Fremont and the Great Renaissance, Defining the American West on February 27th. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. Um, first of all, I'd just like to mention that our, goal, our educational goals for the sesquicentennial year are exploration and discovery. So all of these programs are designed because we want people to fall in love with Nevada, literally the landscape, the geography, the plants, the animals, the rich history, the archaeology, and the culture, but most of all to fall in love with the State Museum right here in the heart of the capital city. We want folks to see it as a resource, but also as a place of refuge, reflection, and, res and relaxation. Perhaps even become a member and make it your second home. So you mentioned the Francis Humphrey Lecture Series, which is always the fourth Thursday of the month. And in February, we have Paul Pace, who's a member of the Fremont Howitzer Recovery Team. And he's talking about John C. Fremont and the Great Reconnaissance. Basically, he'll be outlining Fremont's navigational methods and the instruments he used during this famous 1843-44 expedition. And that starts at 6.30 p.m. However, there's more than just the February lecture. Throughout the year, there are many, many other lectures. And another one I'd like to mention is our April lecture, because we have a very well-known professor and author named Bernard Mergen, and he has a brand-new book coming out from the University of Nevada Press. It's called At Pyramid Lake. Gene Hattori mentioned the Nevada cutthroat, the Lahontan cutthroat trout, and the Pyramid Lake Paiute tribe was very instrumental in helping Fremont men by feeding them during this harsh winter month and gave them cutthroat trout as well as pine nuts to eat. So in this lecture, we'll be highlighting the cultural history of the Pyramid Lake Paiute tribe in the area. I'm just really, really pleased that I believe we'll be the very first uh, place in Nevada to host that lecture for the book that's just coming out in April. Uh, I have some other lectures coming up as well, um, May, June, and July, as well as some family programming. Would you like to hear about those? Um, sure. That'd be great. Okay. All right. Well, May is Archaeological Awareness Month, so our, our lecture that month is going to be called On the Fremont Trail. It's a number, another member of the Fremont Howitzer Recovery Team. His name is John Willett. What I like so much about John is he's not only knowledgeable about Fremont and his discoveries, but he also is a musician and a singer. He's written a new song. It's so fun. It's called Oh, Johnny. So he's going to come in singing his song, and then he'll give the lecture. And then I'm hoping he'll end with maybe another song related to Fremont and the excitement of the West. We also have Family Fun Saturday um, programs, and in May we're going to explore topographical maps. Right outside the museum here you can see Sea Hill. It's a very famous hill here. It's got a big sea and a, a flag on it. And we're going to have the children actually construct a topographical map so that they can understand elevation and how to navigate on the landscape. Because when Fremont came through, there were no maps. His mission as part of the topographical engineers was to actually create the maps make sketches, uh, measure elevation and distance. So the children are going to be miniature little pathfinders here discovering uh, maybe the best route to go up Sea Hill if they were to hike it. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, also in June, we have Sharon Schaefer. She's an absolutely phenomenal artist and naturalist. 
She was here a few years ago with an exhibit called The Art of Nature. And she's going to present four full days of programming for children and adults. They're going to learn how to make nature journals, do field sketching, and just fall in love again with the natural history of the plants of Nevada. In July, we've mentioned that's when we have our Fremont Symposium. We'll have Alistair Morley-Jacques, who's from Oregon. He is handpicked by Kelly, our partner at the um, Deschutes Historical Museum. He's going to be presenting in Fremont Chautauqua as part of our Francis Humphrey Lecture that month. And then the symposium, as I mentioned, will have all of the top Fremont scholars, authors, and lecturers, and scientists from throughout the United States and the world coming here to present. Uh, August, we'll have a cowboy poetry program. Tony Argento is another member of the Fremont Howitzer Recovery Team. He'll be talking about the pride and spirit of Nevada. And then in September, we're going to have a junior ranger program here, exploring wilderness for our Family Fun Saturday, and a special lecture on the Wilderness Act in Great Basin National Park by Marge Still, who is just a pioneer in wilderness for Nevada. So you can kind of see that the year is just really wrapping up nicely with all kinds of programs about discovery, about exploration. And our hope is that 2014 can be a year of exploration for all of us. And maybe each of us can discover the pathfinder in ourselves, paving a way to a better world. Wow. That's a lot uh, to remember, but don't worry. If you can't remember it all, I can give you our website and phone number. That was actually going to be my next question. Uh, so go ahead and uh, for listeners, just give them the uh, where the museum's located, museum hours, when they can come visit, um, website and Absolutely. phone number. The museum is open every day but Monday from 8.30 to 4.30. We're located at 600 North Carson Street right here in the capital city, kind of catty corner from the Carson uh, Nugget Casino, so we're real easy to find. The number is 775-687-4810, extension 237 to get me directly, or just 4810 for the general number. And we also have a website. It's museums.nevadaculture.org. And be sure to click on Nevada State Museum Programs and Events. Also, you're welcome to call or email me anytime, and I'll put you on the list where you can receive the newsletter and calendar of events directly to your inbox. My email is D as in Deborah Stevenson, S-T-E-D-E-N-S-O-N, at nevadaculture.org. All right. Thank you, Deborah. So from kind of an educational standpoint, you had mentioned, mentioned that, that um, you know, all of these events are so educational. Why do you think it's so important to educate Nevadans on the history of John C. Fremont? Well, you know, um, we can learn from the past. They always say a knowledge of the past informs the future. And really, history just repeats itself. Human nature doesn't change. And when you explore the, the exhibit Finding Fremont, what you're going to find out is that the man had some really wonderful strengths, but he also made a few mistakes. And I think sometimes when we can dig into personalities like John C. Fremont, the Explorer, we can see how we want to be bold and we want to be pathfinders, and we want to create new worlds. But at the same time, we don't want to make mistakes like he did. He made a few mistakes financially. He got perhaps involved in endeavors that were not his particular calling. And that's what I think is the real future for children, for education in Nevada, but also for adults, that we can learn from history, we can be enriched by it, and it's really going to help pave the way for a better future. 
Wow. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Deborah and Jean as well. Pleasure. Um, and for sharing with our listeners all of the awesome information about the Nevada State Museum in Carson City and this Fremont exhibit. I can't wait to get down there myself and, and check out the exhibit because it just sounds really, really cool. Um, so to our listeners, don't forget to come grab your free copy of Nevada Magazine at the Reno Town Mall or visit our website at nevadamagazine.com. Again, um, I encourage everyone listening to subscribe to the magazine. We're continuously publishing great stories that give people a, a look at some re really unique aspects of the Silver State. Um, as always, we still have our 2014 Nevada historical calendar and our, our beautiful historic Nevada book available for purchase. Um, both feature some amazing historic photos taken in Nevada. Both make great gifts for Nevada lovers and history buffs and can be ordered on our website at nevadamagazine.com or by calling our circulation manager, Carrie, at 775-687-687. 1936 